Blue Wire. You are listening to the Fangirl Playbook Podcast, episode number two, and I am your host, Tracy Sandler, here with my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. This week, we are talking with the NFL Network's Steve Weich, all about week one and the drama that came with it. So, of course, we want to hear from all of you who listen in each week. Make sure to subscribe to the Fangirl Playbook Podcast on iTunes and leave us your review. One lucky reviewer will win some cool Fangirl merchandise. Make sure to screenshot your review on your Instagram story and tag at Fangirl Sports Network and hashtag Fangirl Playbook for your chance to win and be highlighted in an upcoming episode. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. There's one problem though. Guys keep buying generic off the rack suits. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally. Or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Fangirl Playbook listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. This week, Get My Job listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, when you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're gonna bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Welcome to the podcast. It was a very, very wild week one, um, and I'm so excited we have several months left of football. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, you know, this is almost an atypical week one where you have some teams that get blown out, some teams that look terrible. We all want to jump off the bridge. The sky's falling. Are we all want to christen a certain team as, oh, man, they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl, only to have the scale swing back in the other direction in week two, but just so many crazy things, so many storylines. The biggest one, of course, happening before a kick was made. 
or after the Thursday night opener. So it's it's a typical week one, but it it, it was fun. It gave us a whole lot to talk about. Well, let, let's jump into that storyline that started before, um, before a kick was made on Sunday. Antonio Brown to the Patriots. I've just never seen drama like this or even – a storyline like this. Steve, have you seen anything like this in all your time covering the NFL? Well, no, and I've covered the NBA too. And trust me, I've seen players in the NBA like force trades or force their way out of a situation. I mean, I, I covered some teams in Washington um, where that happened and it was crazy, but it wasn't so public, you know, and that was before all the social media blitz. And, you know, it's just, it, it is just insane because you think about the fact that Antonio Brown in a nutshell, said, I would rather forfeit $30 million to be away from the Raiders um, than to comply and to play and show how great of a player I am. Look, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about that clearly happened behind the scenes. You heard some of it come out before Monday Night Football saying, we never had him for three consecutive days. So, you know, at practice and things like that, you know, it's kind of crazy the Raiders would say that now when they enabled him along with, you know, throughout this whole process by saying, you're fine. We love you. You're misunderstood. So they made him think he can get away with this stuff. So he kept pushing the envelope, but just absolutely insane, especially when you think about the fact of where he landed and the fact that the Patriots are going to give him $9 million up front. He can earn more than that with incentives. And if they pick up his second year option, but if he toes the line there, that team could be absolutely next level good because he's that great of a player. I think a lot of us are just questioning the fact that, you know, is, you know, is he going to make it through the season because his behavior, his social media tendencies, um, they just don't seem to fit the script for what the Patriots want to do. Oh yeah. I mean, the Patriots are going to have none of that. And obviously I think he makes the Patriots almost, uh, a shoe in for the Super Bowl, though, as you said, it is week one and we do crown people early only to have the pendulum swing, but they don't need him. He will help them, but they don't need him. And so I, I think any of these antics and he will be kicked right out the door. Yeah, they're not going to tolerate it. And as you said, they've won six championships without him. And he, and that's what he needs to understand. He, you know, he, he went to the Raiders like that organization did not exist before him. And mm-hmm. some of that behavior happened with the Steelers. You know, and these are two of the benchmark franchises when you look at, you know, the history of the NFL. And if he takes this stuff to New Orleans, I mean, I'm sorry, to New England, he won't make it to midseason because, again, they, they will not tolerate that foolishness. It's kind of interesting, the New England receiving core. I mean, I'm not sure there's a greater high-risk, high-reward group of receivers in the league as in New England. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have Josh Gordon, who's such a talented guy, and I root for him because, you know, addiction is a disease, and my heart breaks for him that he can't seem to – you know, to really kick it. So I root for him and I hope that he has a fantastic season, but what a high risk, high reward couple of guys they have over there. Well, nothing, nothing new for the Patriots. I mean, seriously, yeah. you think, right. you know, it's, it's funny how we, we keep on throwing out the examples of Randy Moss and Corey Dillon of, of guys they, they brought in and reformed. You know, they had, they had one of the most sinister characters ever on their team that keeps forgetting to be lost, that gets lost in that shuffle. That's Aaron Hernandez. And they knew about some of his issues. When they drafted him, they knew about some of his issues. That's why he dropped to the fourth round. And they got a couple of good years you know, out of him. So this is an organization that probably says, if we could handle that, and if we could you know, get the most out of that for a couple of years, we can work with Antonio Brown. But again, we'll see. He, this, this is a whole different set of circumstances with his behavior. In terms of Josh Gordon, how good did he look in week one? Oh, <laughs> I mean, incredible. Be, I mean, he is, I, I, you know, look, football players, we've been around a lot of great talent and, and specimens and, you know, guys like T.O. And, 
He is by far, and I'm saying by far, the most gifted physical player I have ever seen in the NFL. And he, he can ever get it straight. He could be incredible. He could be one of the greatest redemption stories we've seen in professional sports. I really hope he can. And, and if he's going to do it anywhere, it's going to be there. For some of the reasons we just talked about with Antonio Brown, that they're not going to tolerate it. So if he's going to be able to do it, it's there. I think he had you know, a lot of good people around him, but he did look fantastic. He's so talented. You just can't help, at least, or at least speaking for myself, just can't help but root for him and hope that he does well. But boy, he does show it. When he gets on a football field, it's just beautiful to watch. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, this is the guy pretty much Calvin Johnson's measurements and and – Terrell Owens' physicality um, along with Randy Moss's speed. I mean, he is he is the prototype of the superhero wide receiver. And so again, and, and he's playing with Tom Brady. Okay, that he's playing with he's playing with the goat. So if if they can continue to make it work, and if adding Antonio Brown does not cause disruption to that wide receiver room, um, you know, they, then they've they've got it. I mean, you think about Julian Edelman and some of the other players. They they've got tools to reinvent themselves. Because that's what they've done. For a Super Bowl run, they were defensive teams. Then when they made their next run, they were a vertical passing team. Then their next run, they were kind of a dink and dunk team. And now they might just turn into a highly explosive offense. Um, you know, they mix it up every game. But again, they, they've got the tools to put so much stress on defenses that the game planning them, game planning for them will drive defensive coordinators crazy. So I guess I, I ask both of you, uh, Steph and Steve, is it too early to basically crown the Patriots Super Bowl champions? I hope not. I, I'm not a big fan of the Patriots, and I'm a little patrioted out. You know, I want a Super Bowl without them. But, you know, you can't hate on the fact that they're a great organization. At the same time, you know, I'm a little sick of them. So I'm hoping <laughs> well, you're, 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 pretty much, you're pretty much in the core of everybody outside of New England. But yeah. it's too early. It's, it's, it's too early to crown them. I mean, look, there's, there's injuries. Antonio Brown could come in there and drop a nuclear character bomb on them. Sure. Um, you just don't know. And, you know, a team like Kansas City might end up just being better. Remember, the Chiefs were one offsides call away from beating them in the AFC championship game. So there's some other teams out there that are going to threaten. But until someone actually does it, then I'll become a believer. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. Well, let's talk a little Monday Night Football. I think that Saints-Texans game was what a way to start Monday Night Football. Things looked great, um, and I know there was a lot of question mark about that. So, you know, they could be competing, but what a game. I think if the Saints had lost that game on that penalty, I'm just not sure what would have happened in New Orleans. So I am really, I'm not going to say low-key, I am high-key, very happy that the Saints won that game. Are you talking about the, the runoff and the time and all that stuff there? Yes, and then the, the roughing the kicker penalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, you cut out for a second, Steve. What would you say? Oh, no, I, I, I was, uh, I, I sound like you cut out, but. No, I mean, if they lost a game at the penalty, they'd feel, you know, they, they'd feel jinxed, but they know there's 15 more. Um, but just what an exciting game. I mean, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, the, the superstars really showed up. And then, you know, you saw Ryan Ramsey from the guys on the Saints defensive line kind of kind of keep J.J. Watt kind of under wraps. But you just saw great players give great performances and just clutch. I mean, the mind-blowing thing to me was how, how Houston played so soft on that final possession of the Saints that allowed them to get into field goal range, I was like, just keep doing what you're doing. You got them on the ropes. 
and they teed it up for the Saints to win that ball game. But it was it was a great way to start. It's a great way for both of those teams to kind of learn things moving forward because those are teams that could win their division to make deep playoff run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Texans looked fantastic. Other than that that final drive, it's almost like they forgot they were playing Drew Brees for a second. Um, they're like, oh, right, that guy. Um, the year of the 40-year-old quarterback, or I guess it's been that way for the last couple of years, yeah. um, which, which I think is fantastic. Um, but you're right, they did play soft on that on that final drive. But I know our Saints fan girl had stopped breathing for a little while, so I was very happy for her. Um, <laughs> she was. I felt bad. She was. She was like, "So help me God, if they lose this game, I just I can't." Uh, but it was a great way to kick off Monday Night Football. Then, of course, we see the Raiders win, which I was very happy for them and their fans. And I know as a 49ers fan, I'm not supposed to feel that way, but I just couldn't really help it. I, I don't know that they're as good as they look. They may be a aberration a la the um, Chip Kelly and Jim Tom Sula 49ers on Monday Night Football. But um, they did look good, and, and I certainly was happy for them. Yeah, I mean, the thing about, you know, the, the reason why I, I, I'm happy for the fan base there is they're losing that team. I mean, this was, the, this was the last first, you know, first night in Oakland for that ball club. And I think it's fantastic that they came out and they looked so good. They fought through all the adversity. They fought through all of the doubt and put on a good performance. I, I was, you know, Denver, um, you know, the, their weaknesses were exposed. I mean, their offensive line was a big concern, didn't look good. I mean, that, that could be a problem through the whole year. But they're, they're going to end up getting a little bit better. I think Vic Fangio is, is a very good head coach. But it was good to see the Raiders come out and kind of push through all the crap that they had to deal with. I mean, and, and good for John Gruden and Mike Mayock to kind of realize there were 52 other guys who had bought in um, other than Antonio Brown, and this season's not going to be about him. Um, so, so it was really good that team came out and put on such a, such a strong performance. So I want to talk a little bit about Stephanie's Jaguars. Um, I think there were a lot of high hopes going in. That was just horrible. You lose your franchise quarterback after a beautiful touchdown pass. Um, is their season done? I mean, obviously they have a fantastic defense, though they didn't show that the other day. There was the Miles Jack drama. Steph, do you feel like the season is done and we'll see you next year, or you think there's still a chance for this team? At first, I did. Um, of course, nobody wants to lose their, you know, QB1. But then, you know, Minshaw came out and he looked pretty well, and he, like, he fought through it, and I liked his attitude. You know, he's a rookie QB, and um, I think that they've made moves. They, they made a trade with the Steelers, and I just expected more from their defense. I mean, they're, they self-proclaimed to be the best defense in the NFL, which, you know, on paper it, it looks like it, but they didn't really show up on D at all. So that was a little like, well, what are they doing? They definitely seemed, um, I don't know, like they seemed mad, like, the Kansas City was definitely giving them, you know, reasons to be mad, but I think they kind of just lost their cool. And of course, when, you know, you have the defensive, you know, captain go out the way he went out, it just is, it, it, it was just unfortunate. Yeah, look, Kansas City's going to make a lot of teams look bad. Okay, they, and Andy Reid and Eric Bianami, you know, their offensive coordinator, fantastic play designers, fantastic play schemers. Patrick Mahomes is next level dynamic, right. and they've got and they've got weapons all over the place. I mean, they're they're going to make defenses look bad. I don't think their season is over. 
um, from the aspect of they'll tweak their offense. They're now now Leonard Fournette, this offensive line that they've invested in, is going to have to prove itself. Okay, there's no question about what the identity of their offense is going to be. They're going to be a run the football, control the clock, don't don't get too far behind because they don't have a quick strike offense. Right, that's they have their identity now. Now the teams are going to get film on Minshew. Then then you know it's going to get tougher for him. He came in and he just played street football the other day. His teammates responded. I thought that was a very positive sign. But I want to get back to what Stephanie said about that defense. We keep talking about how good that defense is. They were not good last year. They have the talent to be good, but do they have the character to be good? And that is the biggest question in the National Football League about the Jaguars is they've assembled all these first-round draft picks, and they're paying guys, and they've got guys that, that want to get paid. Are they playing for the team? Are they playing for themselves? This is where they are tested right out of the gate to see what type of season this can be. They can be resilient and win a very wide-open division, or they can pull what happened last year. They could fall apart. They could get their coach fired. And they could have a lot of issues because, again, there's talent there, but is that defense? Are all these guys who are talking about how good they're going to be, are they going to deliver on their potential? That That's the big question because, again, like I said, their identity now has been carved out for them now that Nick Foles is going to be out for several weeks. And, Stephanie, you said something that I think is really poignant. They are the self-proclaimed best defense in the league, but they've yet to – haven't they've, they've yet to prove that anybody else should proclaim it so I think you both just really nailed that it'll be uh very interesting to watch I believe Steph I think they play the Texans on Sunday is that correct that's correct so I mean I think and, and it's one of their biggest rivalries you know in football there and it's you know they're going to be away I think they needed to pull I I, I I did think they were going to lose against Kansas City but I thought that they would bring a little bit more I didn't think that they were going to I, I just thought it was going to be closer. and But then, you know, I, I keep going back to the defense, and they have some great corners. They have, like, everybody – they have everybody in place, but it seems like – and everyone has great moments on defense, but they just don't come together, you know, and just win it. And I think that's – I think that's going to be what, what we're going to have to – they're going to have to prove it to everyone else now. Well, you said, are they playing for the team or are they playing for themselves? It remains to be seen. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the Cleveland Browns. There was quite a bit of hype going into the season. Again, it's week one. I don't want to overreact, but they look terrible. I believe they had 18 penalties the other day, which is just ab- abominable. And I cover a team that loves themselves a penalty – but 18 penalties in a game, you're not going to win any games. Steve, is this team for real, or was it all just a lot of hype? Well, I mean, I covered that game. I was there. And it's funny because they made a lot of plays. I mean, that offense at times looked really good, but when they made those plays, there's a flag on the field. Defensively, that's where they have their issues. Look, the strength of that team is that defensive line. And Tennessee, without its starting left tackle, Taylor Lewan, they controlled that defensive line. But again, penalties. In the second quarter – the Titans twice were on third down. They were in punting situations, penalties. Four defensive penalties allowed the Titans to march down the field and get a, and get a short yardage touchdown to take the lead. That's undisciplined, okay? That happens in practice. You've had all offseason to stop behaviors because some of these hits were late hits. We saw, uh, Sheld- or we saw, I'm sorry, Cam Robinson, their offensive tackle. Greg Robinson, I'm sorry, get thrown out of the game for kicking somebody. These are things that are unacceptable behaviors. If they clean that stuff up, then they'll, then they'll be fine. You know, they, 
they got hit in the mouth. I mean, they, they understand what it takes. And Freddie Kitchen, as a first-year coach, he looked like a first-year coach in his first game. He was overwhelmed in some moments. I mean, when Baker Mayfield, they lost two offensive linemen, the Cleveland Browns did, and instead of going to a quick passing game where, one, you could reduce the potential for holding, where they had a lot of holding calls, and two, you could just save yourself from some of the depth issues you have that kept going to these long passing, these long drawn-out passing schemes. They weren't running the football. They really didn't seem like they had any type of offensive flow. They've got to change that because the talent, as we know, is there. Um, but, but the character and the composure – these are things that are going to be put to the test because they play the Jets Monday night. So the Jets, who is a defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, who thought he should have been the head coach in Cleveland after doing a good job as the interim coach there last year, he's going to be he's going to be blitzing them coming off the bus. Okay, and so they've got to win that game because after that, Cleveland's schedule is absolutely brutal. It is brutal, and they've got to get some confidence before they hit that stretch. Otherwise, a lot of the folks. Who uh, who predicted this dream team disaster scenario could be could be could have uh, hit it right on the head. I I agree. I mean, it, it, that's what it looks like right now. But I think you are right. It's cleaning that stuff up. And part of that, of course, probably is a first year head coach. But again, you're right. They had an entire off season. You have that in practice. You can't be getting all those penalties. I mean, we saw it. We saw it in that 49ers Buccaneers game. Five touchdowns were called back due to penalties. That's a problem for both teams. <laughs> um, Actually, and I'd love to get your opinion on something, Steve, Um, and we don't have to talk much about the 49ers, but I, you know, I think there's concern in theory about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, you know, it's week one. I think midseason Garoppolo is going to be very different than what we saw the other day, but definitely a little shaky that that uh, interception was terrible. Of course, we then found out Tevin Coleman had a high ankle sprain and was playing with it at that point. So the interception was still bad, but Tevin Coleman trying to you know, run a route and trying to block with a high ankle sprain is not easy. Um, but do you think there's reason for concern? Is everybody overreacting? Well, I do think there's some reason for concern. Um, from some things I'm hearing, you know, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan demands a lot of quick processing and a lot of quick identifying things out of his quarterback. And Jimmy is still coming along in that process. And for a guy, even though he was hurt, he's been there two years. Okay. So he's, He's got to pick up on some of this type of stuff like Patrick Mahomes was able to do while he was sitting and waiting to get the, getting the chance to play. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't basically played in two years, so there's, there's going to be rust, okay? And, and he's got to knock some of that off, but it's got to happen in a hurry because for things to work for the 49ers offense this year, everything has got to, to work well together. And if Garoppolo is not playing well or someone else is not playing well, they don't have the type of dynamic talent. To, to overcome that. And, and Jimmy G, look, their hopes are, are poised on him. They paid him a lot of money when he was unproven. He's going to be held to that standard. So, you know, he's he's got to find a way because Kyle Shanahan has made other quarterbacks work. Look what he did with Nick Mullins last year. He has made other quarterbacks work. And if Jimmy can't step up when there's such a history of Kyle Shanahan getting guys working, then this this could be a colossal a colossal disaster, which – you know, look, those Niners fans have put up with a lot the last couple of years. A lot of hope, a lot of losing, a lot of turmoil. They're tired of it. And, and, and seriously, they, they deserve they deserve to get some victories, um, even though this team is still kind of in a rebuilding process. I thought one thing that – oh, sorry, go ahead, Seth. That pick was so horrible when, you know, he didn't even – He it was like he couldn't even see the field. Like he couldn't even see, you know, who was out there defending it. And even the, you know – 
the receiver was shocked that he threw it. Like, it was just so bad. So that was a little concerning for me because, you know, like like he said, there's the 49ers paid him a lot of money to be a top-notch QB, and it's just, it's just he seems to be a little bit slower coming along with that process. One thing I thought was um, helpful for 49er fans and that should give them some hope is that this is a game or that was a game that that team for sure would have lost last year, the year before, probably really since 2014, to be honest. They have not been able to finish football games and all those close games they've lost you know, just showed that. So for them to finish that game on the road with everyone having dehydration issues left and right, um, I think was promising, but it's all, it's all. Um, And after the game in post-game press conferences, there were questions about that and it it felt like everyone danced around it a little, um, which I think is always interesting when you would listen to, if you really listen to the answers, given by Kyle Shanahan, um, given by other members of the team, they danced around it a little, but this offense does depend very much on Jimmy Garoppolo succeeding. Um, so it will be interesting to see they're off there in Cincinnati this weekend. So hopefully he'll be able to improve on that one. Then they're home against the Steelers who did look terrible the other night, but I don't know that that's indicative of who the Steelers actually are. Um, but we'll see. What do you, what do you think about that, Steve? Actually, I wanted to ask you about the Steelers. Because, boy, did they look awful. They didn't look ready, did they? They, they look completely unprepared. Um, their offense, a lot of people are going to say they didn't have Antonio Brown or Lev Bell. They played a lot of games. I mean, are there were a lot of situations without those two before. The Patriots have owned the Steelers. I mean, um, they've never beaten Tom Brady at, you know, in New England. Uh, the, pay, uh, the, the record is amazing. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock into how the Steelers look just because matchup-wise, New England has their number. But if they come out and lay an egg like that again, uh, you know, that's a problem. I mean, look, the, the, the Patriots held the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl and came out and held the Steelers to three points. It's about time their defense starts being acknowledged. But, again, to get back to Pittsburgh, I mean, Roethlisberger did not look as engaged as he normally is. They'll fix it. They'll turn it around. Tomlin's very, very good at that. So, again, that's why I, I, that's a team I'm not going to overreact about. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's for the Niners. You know, you, you're, right, you're right on the money. I mean, they, they've, they, they would not have won those games in past years because they didn't have the composure. And they didn't really, honestly didn't have the talent to close out games mm-hmm. when, it, when it came time to get tough. But most games are, are going to be like that. And in a division where we saw Arizona come back after being down to Detroit, where the Rams and the Seahawks are going to be good, um, they're going to have to find ways to continue to grow. And that starts with Jimmy G. I agree. Um, we haven't talked about the Cowboys yet. I think we need to. Um, you know, Zeke signing his contract just in the nick of time. The offensive weapons on that team are, are pretty incredible. Um, again, a, a Super Bowl contender, and now Dak on Sunday playing for the game and for his contract. And I think he came through. How soon are we going to see Dak sign something? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you know, it's a negotiation where they haven't said, "Hey, we have to get it done by the regular season, or we're going to wait to the end." I think it could get done. He's got a very smart agent uh, in Todd France. The Cowboys want to get it done once they saw the Jerry Goff deal. They're probably like, let's get this done sooner rather than later because every game <laughs> Dak has, like he had against the Giants, that could be another comma added to his paycheck. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I think I think it could get done before the end of the season. Um, we'll see. If I'm Dak, I continue playing <laughs> stacking performances like that before I sign on the dotted line. But look, he, he's he's going to get paid. 
going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's going to have you know ridiculous guarantees. Jared Goff at 110 million. Dax will be higher. Um, but to get to the Cowboys as a whole, I mean, they look fantastic on offense. Kellen Moore came up with some real creative ideas. He's a young offensive coordinator. He was actually the guy ahead of Dak on the depth chart who got hurt when Tony Romo got hurt that opened the door for Dak to start. So they've got that type of connection and that type of relationship already. He's young, but he showed so much creativity. And then once they really can incorporate Zeke, they can be dangerous. And let's not forget They've got probably the best defensive personnel in that division as well. So Dallas, on paper, is a team that's going to challenge Philadelphia for that NFC East. Um, We'll just see if they can remain consistent because in years past, when they've played well or when there were expectations, that's when they've been disappointing. Well, I think more most important offseason signings, as important as it was to to get Zeke. I mean, he really, like you said, changed that offense and made it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more dynamic, and I, I think that's what they needed. But you're right, consistency on that team is key and we won overreactions are why we all have jobs but um but they did look good and next up for them are the redskins and the dolphins so i think they're going to continue to look good the next few weeks and to your point about dak and the commas uh, on that check he's <laughs> bound to have he's bound to end week three with some pretty impressive numbers so um that'll be fun to watch as you said obviously they were playing the giants is it time, Steve? Do they need to bench Eli? I'm not saying that – I don't know that, that Daniel Jones is the answer either, but is it time to find out? No, not yet. I mean, I thought Eli was fine. I, I didn't think he was dreadful in that game. I They didn't lose that game because of Eli. They, they lost it because their defense got absolutely shredded. You know, Eli was okay. Um, look, they're going to ride. They're going to ride Eli as long as they can. They, you, know, you can tell they've got kind of the we-owe-it-to-him aspect of it. But they're not going to bail. Daniel Jones is still a rookie. Okay, he'd have a lot of things to work through. Um, so I, I, I think I think we're going to see Eli probably for at least half the season or until the bye week. And depending how things are going, then that's when they'll make a change. Um, but yeah, that Eli was not was not the reason why they lost that game to Dallas. It was the defense. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, obviously the best person they have on that team is Saquon, um, who talk about what you were talking about, Josh Gordon and the kind of talent he is. I think you know, Saquon is that kind of talent at running back. Uh, so that's he, he's, he's unbelievable. He, he he's unbelievable. I mean, he seriously is. He is. He's got so much Barry Sanders and and just almost a little aspect of every great running back. Um, I just hope he stays healthy because we might be looking at, at the best talent at that, at that position we've we've ever seen. I hope he stays healthy too, and that's that's not going to be easy um, with what he has around him. But I I really hope he does because he's just so fun to watch, and it's just so amazing to get to see some of these once in a lifetime cha- talents playing every Sunday. Um, it's really, it's incredible. So we do, Steve, on this show, something at the end of it. We started it last week, so it's new, um, called Van Girl Says Who's Hot and Who's Not. So we would okay. love to participate if you are interested. Um, and I'm all in. I'm all in. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's, uh, would you like to go first or last? You are our guest, so you get to pick. Oh, I, I've got to say who's hot and who's not. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys go first. I'm cherry picking off of your answers. You guys go first. <laughs> All right, Steph, I'm gonna let you go first because I know there's, I know you have something specifically you want to talk about on who's not. So I'm gonna let you go first. So I'm gonna start with who's not hot. <laughs> okay. Yes, um, so I obviously I think that the pads are hot. And, but one thing I was definitely like 
bugged about, because I'm also an NBA fan, was the Mike Scott thing. So I'm going to say um, the Philly Eagles fans are not hot <laughs> for what they did to him. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. And I'm kind of glad that the 76ers are, you know, backing him and what happened there. Because he's such a cool guy from Philly. And he's been showing up to all these places, you know, for the fans. And I apparently didn't recognize him. But I just, that just bugged me. But they're not hot. But that's Philly. <laughs> fair. All right, that's fair. And that you get the Patriots are hot. I think that's totally fair. Um, my who's hot is is going to be Dak Prescott. I'm I think probably obvious to everyone on this podcast and anyone who's listening. I'm on a Dak Prescott train right now. Don't get mad at me, 49ers fans. But um, he just had such a great game the other day, and I'm going that. And who's not? We didn't really talk about this, but. I'm going to say Mitchell Trubisky for the Bears and all their concern and obsession with 42 field goals this offseason. I think they have a bigger problem under center. <laughs> and so I'm going to say the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky um, are not hot. And lest we forget, they traded up to pick him number two. Uh, so those are my who's hot and who's not. Steve, it is your turn. Okay, so I'm going to start with who's hot, and I like the Minnesota Vikings run game. If you could put a beat down on the Atlanta Falcons like they did with Kirk Cousins only throwing the ball 10 times, then you've got something working. And we are going to see the addition of Gary Kubiak as an offensive consultant to the Minnesota Vikings pay off big time. That's a team that's going to end up being really good in the end. Who is not hot? Let me see here. Oh, that would be the Cleveland Browns and their 18 penalties. I think there is some reason to be concerned the fact that nobody on that team said, let's stop doing this. They had 10 of those penalties in the first half, and they still could not regain their composure. I think that's an issue that we've got to watch going forward because they've got some players on their team like Odell Beckham. They start losing. They don't like it, and they don't necessarily behave well. I can't see Will Beckham the net on the sidelines. So I implore the Browns to please fix that because you're right. Odell Beckham, if this team starts losing and continues like that, it is going to be not fun times in Cleveland. That is for sure. They've got a, they've got a brutal schedule, a brutal yeah. schedule after the Jets. So they better get on in the win column really soon. Well, that is what we have for today's Fangirl Playbook. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. You have been a fantastic guest. Well, you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we will talk to you soon. Uh, Fangirl Nation, be sure to listen to Fangirl Playbook every week. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes for a chance to win Fangirl merchandise. Everybody enjoy week two. Goodbye, all.